back to the Pumps and Systems podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin, managing editor of Pumps and Systems magazine. You can visit us on the web at pumpsandsystems.com. Our guest today is Patrick Hogue of Needick Motor Corporation. We'll talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, how it affects motor and pump efficiency, and what else is affecting the pump industry these days. So it'll be a real newsy podcast as uh, we talk to Patrick. And Patrick is a repeat guest. We've had him on episode 61 talking supply chain issues, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, Build America, Buy American Requirements, which is some of that we'll talk about today, or a lot of that we'll talk about today, and more. We had him on episode 21, Understanding Motor Applications, and the very first episode about four and a half years ago, episode one, on the motors and drives relationship, and the audio quality from episode one to episode now is a a little bit better, thankfully. And to let everybody know, you can search and subscribe to the Pumps and Systems podcast on any platform such as Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Just type in Pumps and Systems and hit the subscribe button, and you'll get notified every time a new episode comes out. And you can go back and listen to many other episodes throughout the years. I think a lot of these are evergreen podcasts where maybe something around episode 23 might be useful uh, for you listeners today. So uh, with all that being said, Patrick, how are you doing today? Drew, I'm doing great. I just want to say thanks for having me back on. And it's going to be a great podcast today talking about a lot of interesting things, specifically if you're in the pumping or motor industry. I look forward to learning about uh, that myself from your perspective. Uh, first off, before we get into the good stuff, what are you up to at NEDEC these days? I know you've been there a good while. We've, we've profiled you in our magazine. You've written in our magazine before, but what uh, what are your job requirements these days over at NEDEC? So I am the director of marketing for the industrial pumping, distribution, and general industry segments over here at NEDEC. And it's great. We're focused on energy efficiency, new energy efficient products and you know really system focused it's exciting it's nice to get out new types of motors into an industry and really understanding how it affects overall energy uh, conserving conserving energy and just carbon emissions reduction things like that it's exciting stuff over here and uh, look forward to moving forward it's all of the stuff we're going to talk about today is really just kind of giving government spending to areas like this so that we can continue this push forward for all of these energy efficient products that help everybody out. All right. Talk about some key government initiatives and how the pump industry has responded and is responding to that. Last August, uh, and correct me if my timeline is, is, is a little off, but Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act. What are the key components to this? Yeah, so the Inflation Reduction Act, or the IRA, is has some a couple different key components. One of them is the one that you know is going to affect us the most. There is a segment on there on the Affordable Care Act extension. There's about $64 billion that goes towards that of government spending. But what's really exciting about the Inflation Reduction Act is the energy security and climate change portion of this. And it is really a down payment on deficit reduction to fight inflation, which you know we've all seen the inflation that's coming. We need to do something for the deficit there. But the other part of this is invest in domestic energy production, manufacturing, and the reduction of carbon emissions. 
the target here, and they the government had a target before to go, I think it was like 23% to 30% reduction of carbon emissions by 2030. This in, improves that to 40% reduction by 2030. So really what this is focused on is how can the government spend some money that it's got on tax incentives to, or not incentives, but tax increases to large corporations. How are they going to spend that to make sure we're getting better energy efficiency, water conservation, and really overall carbon emission reductions, right? So we're talking about advanced clean energy through government investment, the innovation. And one thing that we'll, we'll hit on as we go through today is the manufacturing portion of it. They are going to, you know, influx some cash into the manufacturing within the United States for things that are important for energy. You know, you're talking about uh, electric vehicles. What's the energy uh, look like for that? What does the infrastructure look like for that, right? We've got to have these charging stations. So it also goes all the way down to the consumer level with tax incentives and things like that to switch to more energy efficient products within air conditioning, commercial buildings, and things like that. Okay, Patrick. Well, how will this impact motor and pump efficiency? Yeah, so I we we kind of I kind of started on that in the last one is this is an injection straight into the vein of high efficiency products, right? The last couple of years there's been a lot of push specifically on the motor side to go higher efficiency. There's been a push on the pump side to go higher efficiency as well. What we didn't have was the support from you know the government spending side of it from the infrastructure overall to say hey how are we going to support this within the united states and, and elsewhere and how do we get the consumers to pull this type of product through right it costs more how do you say hey you have to pay twice three times whatever that is you have to pay more for this product up front it's hard to get consumers to understand that so what this one of the big things that this does is it helps incentivize some of these consumers through tax incentives and things like that to go to these higher efficiency systems. The other thing is, is there is going to be a lot, and, and we'll get into the specifics here in a little bit. I can I can break them down, but it's really going to be pushing investment into water efficiency, not electrical efficiency, but water efficiency. We talk about all these reservoirs and things having low water. We have a a terrible drought through most of the U.S. right now, which we're getting a lot of rain, so it is affecting that right now. But we need to think about the future and where this sits. So for pump and motor, what this means is, hey, they're going to invest money in the manufacturing of components that are going to help support that. They're going to put money into the infrastructure of supporting higher efficient non-fossil fuel type of infrastructure. So it's it's really cool to see these provisions for clean energy and electrification coming through. They're going to push this out to rural areas that focus a lot on fossil fuels. They're going to get more electrification, which is exciting on my end because with electrification means more electric motors. Electric motors run on the pumps, and we're always going to be looking at how can we make these systems more efficient. A, so they use less energy. B, so they use less water or use their water more efficiently. So those that water gets to exactly where it needs to go. So that's where this IRA or this Inflation Reduction Act is really starting to push the envelope of where this government spending should be used in order to get to that end goal of carbon emission reduction and just overall better efficiency within the U.S. 
Uh, well, Patrick, so what water and pump provisions will this bill have? Yeah, so I, I've kind of broken down, so I'm going to read them off my little cheat sheet that I that I have here. But there is a lot of them, right? So the first one I want to cover is there's $4 billion in the conservation and improvement of water use efficiency in the western states. Basically, this was put in for a drought resilience type of response. We know there's a lot of drought. We hear Lake Mead all the time. And so every picture you see, you see the boat sticking out of the dry ground at Lake Mead behind the Hoover Dam, right? You're just, there is so much need for water efficiency. We have a certain amount of water and how do we use it the best? So there's $4 billion going into that. There's $5.5 billion for flood mitigation and climate resilience. Think about this as stormwater infrastructure and infrastructure that's going to help mitigate flood damage. If you've been in the middle states this last couple of years, and now even you know on the western side, floods have created havoc. So how can the government help infrastructure? And that's you know how is the stormwater um, directed? How is it used? How is it not going to affect our sewage system? How is it not going to affect our water? That type of thing. So there's 5.5 billion going into that. There's 550 million going to water supply in disadvantaged communities. We've all heard this in the news. So again, when we talk about water provisions, and if you're a pump uh, manufacturer or a seals manufacturer, anybody in this industry, this is good news for us because hey, this means that the government is funding some really needed infrastructure change in some of these communities that can't do it right now, right? And that's the thing with this. That's why they're pushing towards that Inflation Reduction Act, because right now with the inflation where it's at, the the interest rates going up, it's going to be hard to go out and get these loans, push for new construction. So that's one of the keys here on this IRA is to really push out and make sure that we're still going over this infrastructure hit and push for these because we need it as the U.S., the IIJA, so the the Jobs Act, <clears throat> the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that was passed in 2021 really went after this as well. It really addressed the fact that said, hey, the U.S. infrastructure is struggling. So this is is helping that along the way, help focused where that is. A couple other things for water provisions, $4.5 in state-level rebate programs. That's what I was talking about earlier. So consumer tax-level rebates for such things as switching from a, a regular AC unit, condenser unit to a heat pump, right? There's 9.7 billion, what I had mentioned a little bit earlier about for rural electric, electric cooperatives. So this is really rural egg producers switching to electrification and how, which that allows them to have much higher efficient systems. They're not using the fossil fuels, they're going to switch to something that is electrically powered, that has a much higher efficiency, and then that can allow them to use their resources much more efficiently and much more effectively. And then one thing I want to get back to is the importance of this bill that has manufacturing. There's $47 billion of government spending going into the manufacturing that's going to support this energy infrastructure that they're talking about, because that's one thing. That's kind of, you know, it's it's the elephant in the room when you start talking about, sure, we want to go out and everybody wants to drive an electric vehicle. You want to go out and we want everything to run off of electric motors. But what's the infrastructure behind the manufacturing to create the support for this, right? Because if we all have electric vehicles, there needs to be so many more charging stations. 
And think about what that does to the electric grid. So this really does push in, you know, 47 billion in manufacturing focused on the energy sector, which is very cool. All right. Move on a little bit more into the world of water infrastructure. Maybe you want to hit on, but I guess specifically the, the question would be, how does this new IRA relate to the Infrastructure Investment in Jobs Act? Yeah, so that that's a good transition, Drew, because they are very similar. They have different amounts of money and different things that they're investing in. But the way I see it is the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the IIJA, came out and they said what I mentioned before, we need to redo the infrastructure of the U.S. And so they pushed that out. And we're still working through how those things get worked out, but we're being asked, hey, that it had provisions in there for build America, buy America, the BABA, right? This means we're going to support and increase and rebuild the infrastructure in the U.S., but we're going to do it with U.S. stuff. It's It's great. But what it didn't really think about was, okay, we don't have the provisions within the U.S. to create or manufacture these products within the U.S. itself. So things like IRA, this this is what we're talking about, the Inflation Reduction Act, really start putting money in government spending to help manufacturing the supply chain and things for IIJA, right? So it really helps kind of come full circle that says, hey, how are we going to get to this end goal of this new energy-focused infrastructure with reduced carbon emissions. Well, it's things like the IRA that says, hey, I'm going to put money into energy efficiency, into manufacturing of energy, high energy products and things like that. And then really focus on not just energy itself, but how do we more effectively use the things the energy is being used for overall. And another great example of how the, the CHIPS Act for the semiconductors, that was passed a while back as well. But it's the same type of thing as it says, hey, we want all these electronics within the U.S. to be purchased under this new IIJA. We want to be able to fund that. But there was no semiconductor manufacturers within the U.S. So if this kind of stuff is really going to help that out, you know, one of the, the big open ends here for that I'm seeing in the electric motor industry is, hey, there's no electric steel manufacturer within the U.S., so when it starts coming to sourcing my electrical steel to get 100% U.S. made or something along those lines, you know, the IIJ doesn't require 100%, but it requires a majority, 60%, be made or sourced within the U.S. But I have, you know, one of my main components doesn't actually have a manufacturer within the U.S. So it's those types of things that the IRA and the CHIPS Act are really helping support the Infrastructure Jobs Act that was passed. Yeah, and I know when we did the last podcast, it was December of 2021, we met up at Groundwater Week in Nashville and talked a little bit more about the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, because that had just kind of come out around then, if I, if I recall. Um, how would you say the pump industry has responded to that, and maybe especially as it pertains to clean, potable water? Our, I know our May issue of pumps and systems is going to really touch on uh, the clean water aspect. Yeah, and so it's it's funny you say that, Drew, because I believe if we go back and listen to that, I talked a lot about, hey, this is great. There's a lot of money going in. What we need is we need a little bit more black and white from the government on what's considered yes, no for this infrastructure job acts. What is going to be funded and what is not and what type of information do we need to give as manufacturers to say we meet it or we don't. 
we haven't made too much progress with that. We've made progress, but it always comes back to the fact that there are always additional questions. And in order to get answers to those questions, it is a very long and strenuous process. But there are some good things. You know, we have made progress. We have started seeing more requirements for the IIJA funding, which then requires the Buy America, Build America, Buy American. There's a bunch of different um, provisions in there that you have to, or requirements that you have to meet as a manufacturer. And the good news is, is it, it's been lengthened. We they pushed some dates back, but we are getting information, right? And when we're we're talking about this for clean and potable water. It, it's still the same as what it was. The IIJA is really pushing spending, like I mentioned, on things that specifically in the pumping industry, we're talking about, you know, the water, we're talking about energy, we're talking about all of those things that we push as pump and motor and other ancillary products within this, within this industry. It's pushing investment in that, right? And so there's been movement, and I have to say, as a pump manufacturer or a motor manufacturer, we've been all over it. We want to see this investment come in. We know it's going to mean great things for our products. We're pushing the government to give us a little bit better definition so that, you know, we're not having to write letters and things all day long to say, hey, this is where we stand. We're not sure exactly where um, the requirement is. <clears throat> right now, it comes down to whoever is actually approving the funding coming out of the IIJA. But We've started writing letters to them, and we're starting to get some release of these invested, and there's a lot of waivers right now. I wouldn't say a lot of waivers because they're being very clear that there's not going to be a lot of waivers, but there is waivers being written so that this investment money can be spent. So it's great to see there's movement. They are giving us a lot of information. That information comes with questions, but we're moving it, and we are seeing this investment being released. So on my end, it seems like it's rolling out slow, but that's just how it works. And it's, you know, it's a 10 year process. So I'm excited that it's rolling and I just can't wait till it starts rolling even faster. All right. And uh, also in that last podcast, episode 61, we talked about Build America, Buy America. We talked uh, Baba and it's been, you know, almost a year and a half since then, maybe not quite that long. Uh, what are some of the, any updates uh, as, the, as it pertains to the pump industry from that? Any challenges that are being, uh, thrown out there that you guys have to overcome. Yeah, so the biggest challenge there with Baba is, you know, what I had mentioned before is sourcing material that's built and made. And I mean, when you talk about some of the the metal products, they got to be smelted and they got to be mined in the U.S. So I mean, that's talking, you know, what we've been talking about this this entire time here is how do we get infrastructure that supports that product being manufactured within the U.S. Right. And so one of the big things we've always, as an industry, been pushing from the very beginning of this is letting us use U.S.-based labor within the cost. Because if you look back at Buy American and Buy America, some of the older um, acts that were passed to help source things from the U.S. that this Build America, Buy America kind of uses within the IIJA to make sure we're, we're really meeting the, the point of the IIJA, it really focuses on the components and the material. What it didn't really come up with was, hey, you're manufacturing this within the U.S., so that should count for something. And it wasn't clear within IIJA that they were going to use labor that was used in the U.S. as part of the cost of the manufacturer. As of February of this year, the OMB office 
the office on Buy American really is saying, hey, we are actually, you know, depending on what type of component it is, if you could, if you could purchase that from somewhere else overseas, but you actually manufacture it, you can use your overhead cost. You can use your cost if you manufacture that in the U.S. instead, which is a huge step. So there's still a lot of these challenges that say, hey, what does Buy American? I still, you know, as electric motor manufacturers, it's tough to get electrical steel out of the U.S. There's no, that, but we can now say, hey, we're manufacturing in the U.S. so we can use that cost, which is great because that means jobs for the U.S. and things like that. So it's great to hear and see the government using this spending and really taking what the industry is pushing them and saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this type of thing so that we move this forward. So sometimes it's not always like that. Sometimes we get frustrated, but it, it's a process. We're working the process, and overall, it's going to end well. We're putting a lot of money into the infrastructure, which is great for pumping motors and a lot of the industries that we're all in. All right. That's a great way to wrap up this podcast and keep our listeners informed on what's going on uh, with the pump industry today. Patrick Hogue of Needec Motor Corporation, thanks so much for spending your time with us and sharing your expertise. Drew, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll look forward to catching up again soon. That wraps up this edition of the Pumps and Systems Podcast. Please search and subscribe to the Pumps and Systems Podcast on any podcast platform such as Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher. Uh, you can email me, the host, Drew Champlin at Cahaba Media, D-C-H-A-M-P-L-I-N at C-A-H-A-B-A-M-E-D-I-A.com. That's dchamplin at cahabamedia.com. I want to thank Patrick again for sharing his time and expertise, and I want to thank you all for listening to the podcast. 